Welcome to Kara's Cures, where we explore the cutting edge of wellness. And today, we're talking about some magic phrases that can bring more love and ease to your marriage. Hannah Brooks is a relationship coach and author, and she joins us now with more on the most powerful phrases to use to deepen connection. Welcome, Hannah. Thank you so much for having me, Kara. It's fun to be here. Yeah, yeah. So we can all benefit from these phrases, but I want to focus first that uh, what's so interesting about your weekly blogs and how you're advising people is you're really focusing on highly sensitive people. Now, if it helps them, I'm sure it helps us all. But what is a highly sensitive person? Wonderful question. A highly sensitive person, are they're actually like many viewers right now actually might be a highly sensitive person and just not know it. But it's uh, there's one in five people are actually highly sensitive. And they've actually studied that um, other species, that it's the same. About 20% of the species that they've studied have a slight different like nervous system and brain. So just some subtle neurological differences. Um, but what happens in us is that we actually experience strong physical, mental, and emotional responses to stimuli stronger than the other 80% of the population, mm. um, which is really, it's fascinating, right? It's like we take it all in more and it feels like a little more intense to us. You know, even lights can feel a little, we might be more sensitive to lights. I'm always kind of joking. I like, um, when I walk around, when there's shadows, like dappled light down the street, I'll like lift my glasses up and then put them back down. (laughs) So we're sensitive. And it's not a bad thing. I mean, there's actually a great new book out uh, from Anita Morshani, which is sensitive is a new strong. You're not saying this is a bad thing. It's just something, especially as women, we might want to be aware of if you're feeling overwhelmed a lot or irritable a lot or cranky, like what would be some of the symptoms that you might be saying the wrong things in your marriage? We'll get to the right things in a moment. Yeah, because we feel emotions so strongly, um, right? And we like, yeah, that that internal stimuli can overwhelm us just as easily as external stimuli. So it can be that we do feel frustration or annoyance or resentment or any of the classic feelings we might sometimes run into in a marriage really strongly. On the flip side, we feel love and care and all the positive emotions really strongly too. Um, but yeah, when we just like any human being at all, whether we're highly sensitive or not highly sensitive, um, when we get overwhelmed or stressed out, we're going to be much more likely to say the snarky thing or, you know, yeah, just say things that aren't very conducive to healthy communication or feeling connection and respect in a relationship. Right. And as highly sensitive people, we tend to go there quicker to that overwhelm and stressed out space. And I think it's important for you to know your kids might have those sensitivities or, you know, whether or not, I know you deal mostly with helping women in their marriage, but this applies to men too. I want to get to some of the seven phrases um, that can help. And honestly, I'm sure this would help in any marriage, but especially if you're constantly feeling irritated or overwhelmed. Um, Number one, you said, maybe flipping something, would you be willing to, or I'd love it if, and that's, you use it when you would want your partner to do something for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I like to say that the signal to use this one is when we start to notice we're kind of getting complainy, right. Or like, how come you never right? kind of accusatory, easy place to go. (laughs) So this is a great one to, yeah, flip it into more of a request and, and really coming from, 
you know, it's coming from a more positive place, right? Would you be willing to, you know, and you're, you're so much more likely to get a, a much, much better result. So an example might be like, hey, I noticed you didn't do the dishes. Yeah, this is an agreement that my husband and I have, right? <laughs> he sometimes does them. And, uh, and instead of being like, how come? Right. It'd be like, hey, would you be willing to, to, to get to those soon? I'd appreciate it. Yeah. Right? So yeah. much better. He feels respected. He's much more motivated to do it. It's also amazing for like, sometimes we want more connection, right? We crave a little more attention. And this is a great one for using for that as well. Like if we notice our husband's always working in the evenings or on his iPhone, right? It's like, we could just be like, Instead hey, like, put your phone down. Why are you always on your phone? You would, yeah. Okay. Right. Instead of that, we'd be like, hey, I'd love it if you'd, you know, just spend five minutes with me. Yeah. Okay. And the next one, which is really more internal, which is, I think, what you work with, with people figuring out when you're really overwhelmed, when you're really stressed, when you're really like, what can you control? Um, so the wow. story I'm telling myself is, and it's when we take a pause and we might realize that we're, uh, catastrophizing this person's always this or that or making things worse than they are maybe definitely i mean we tell all so if you start to pay attention to that brain of yours it's telling you all sorts of stories some of them are great stories and a lot of them are not so great mm-hmm. <laughs> our brains are interpretation machines often to the negative so i actually the first step like you said is using this internally and kind of catching yourself when you are telling yourself like an example that I would like to use is, is again, the dishes. Like if my husband wasn't doing the dishes for a few nights in a row, even though that was a, his agreement, I might tell myself the story that he doesn't ever stick to his agreements or he doesn't even like, we could go so extreme that I would think oh, he doesn't even care about me. Right. So we want, that's obviously not true, but my brain might like to tell me that story. And so catching ourselves is the first step. But I also love using this one, actually saying it out loud, like, especially if there is some sort of bigger conflict or disagreement, it's an amazing way to kind of take ownership for the experience that we're having instead of laying the blame on our partner or husband, which is so easy to do. Right. So it's like, if I say, Hey, hubby, right. The story I'm telling myself when I see all those dishes in the sink is that you never stick to your agreements or like that you don't care about me, right? He's going to have a different reaction to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, than if we're saying, ah, yeah. right. <laughs> and, and speaking of listening is something that I know we're all so busy and listening is something that can really help in any relationship. If we listen better. And I think we often get upset as women, like you're not listening to me, but a, a third yeah. phrase, a power phrase is help me understand. And you use this when someone's sharing something with you or when you could be mm-hmm. in a disagreement. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is just a great one in general to like facilitate his conversing with you. Oftentimes we like having conversation with, I mean, especially as highly sensitive people, we thrive on deep connection and conversation. And if your husband tends to be a little bit more like mute, you know, (laughs) this is a great one. Like if he says something, you can be like, Hey, say more about X, Y, Z. Right. Or so great in a a slight conflict or disagreement. It's like, actually help me understand what you just said. Right. Instead of like, yeah, (laughs) it does facilitate that, you know, interest in him, deeper understanding, just more space for there to be a civil conversation. Yeah. Number four, you could be right or I could be wrong. Now, this is very hard, I think, when people are in a disagreement because we get invested in being right. But um, you say this is something to train yourself to use when you're tempted to make someone else wrong. 
Yeah. And, you know, as a coach, I, as a marriage coach, I find that happens really a lot, right? <laughs> we think we're right and they're wrong. And, and there's this thing that happens. It's kind of like this power thing that happens when we think we're right. Then the other person's like down here and has to be wrong. Or we're like butting heads, right? And when we can be aware, self-aware enough to actually make a little space for the possibility <laughs> that maybe what they're saying or what their belief is is right. And maybe what we're thinking or our position is maybe not right. Just to be open to that possibility actually allows this head buddy thing to, to disappear mm. or like the, the, it brings us back to level ground where there can actually um, be some solutions that can emerge, some listening, some understanding each other. Yeah. Right. And number five, no, or you could say I can't or not now. And this is something that, especially for highly sensitive people or maybe just uh, people in general who are overwhelmed right now, that if you say yes out of fine, that's really not helping. So we as people just need to learn to say no, like I can't go out right now or I can't do this right now because you take ownership that you're overwhelmed. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I think this is great for for moms and work career women who also have families and marriages, it's like we kind of might have a little bit of the superwoman syndrome. Yeah. I can do <laughs> and, it all. I do do it all. I do everything. And that doesn't really yeah. help. Right. <laughs> what happens is eventually we, we kind of crash and burn and we might feel really resentful for having to do all the things. We don't want that resentment sitting at the center of our marriage. Right. And so saying no to self-respect, right. In order to take care of ourselves, that's actually taking care of the marriage, even though it can be uncomfortable to say no sometimes, right? To not, not want to do all the things or do what our partner wants us to do. It actually ultimately is better for the marriage and for you. Yeah. Well, and especially like you said, if you explain it as just, you know, I just, I'm not available to do that right now. I need to, versus just begrudgingly doing something and then being resentful after. Yes. Um, number six is I trust your judgment. And you say this is to use when uh, maybe your spouse doesn't really need your permission, doesn't need, but, but he's asking that permission. And you want to give your spouse or partner the idea that, you know, you got this. Yeah, I think this is such a great phrase for those of us. One of the things I hear in, with my clients is, I feel like I'm his mom or like he's my second or third kid, right? There's sometimes this dynamic that we can get into with our, our husbands, certainly not always, but where we feel kind of like we're a little controlly and he's a little bit more like, well, then tell me what to do, yeah. right? And if we want him to kind of step up to the plate a little bit and be more responsible, then we've got to allow him that space to like, we've got to like show him that we do believe in him. we got to give him a chance to like make decisions and, um, yeah. And so if there's ever a time when like he's asking a question or you're making plans together, you can just be like, Hey, you know, I trust your judgment on this one. It really gives him a permission to be an adult yeah. <laughs> and it signals that you trust and respect him. And I know this one can be hard, but the beautiful thing about this is that people tend to rise up to your positive view of them. 
That's a good point. I'll repeat that. They rise up to your positive view. And that's with what our kids do. You know, sometimes we can over control and say, do this, do that, or you're not doing this, or you're not doing that, or I have to be home to help you with your homework, or you're not going to. And if we just said, no, I, I know you can do this on your own and come to me if you had a question with your kids or your spouse, this idea. But I think that takes a lot of faith in the person who is the controller, who really feels like they're just trying to keep everything on the right track. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so there's a little that this can be a, a place for those of us. I'm totally like a recovery and control addict. So I get how hard this one can be. <laughs> but there is so much room to grow for, for us as individuals around our, you know, trying to keep everything on track and um, let, releasing that control a little. Yeah. So the final uh, seven of the seven most powerful phrases to use to deepen connection is I miss you. And you use this when you want to feel closer to someone. Um, but I guess the trick is any of these phrases, you have to mean it. Yeah. You got to get to a place Absolutely. where you mean saying this, not in a snarky way. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. I think that's the biggest key is, 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 yeah, I mean, I th- there's a little, sometimes when we first try try these on, right, it can be a little fake it to make it sometimes, but ultimately, none of these words matter all that much or work all that well if they're coming from that negative, resentful tone, place, right, tone, mood. Um, and it's really because this is, this is the amazing news, right? 70 to 90% of our communication is actually not our words, it's our tone and the way we move our face, right? Our facial cues, they call them, and our body language. Um, so that's ultimately way more important than the words that we, we choose to say, right? So it's more, more than the words, it's getting into the, the space, the emotional space, like just generally, I mean, the, going from a negative space to a neutral space is a huge step in the right direction, um, yeah. yeah that, so when you coach when you coach couples as a racial relationship coach, and I think you know people have survived the pandemic, and and we've heard this in the news that people are either, you know, getting married or recommitting themselves or getting divorced because the relationship wasn't working. But so if you if, if you're in this relationship, whether it be you're entering into marriage or you've been in one for a long time and you've encountered a lot of stress and you're looking to, you know, put more positive happiness connection, um, when you're working with couples doing things like this, how long does it usually take to change a habit? And some people might think, oh, it's not going to work. We've been married 15 years. You know, this is how we are. Or, you know, I love him. He loves me. But, you know, we just fight every day or whatever. These are real changes. So what do you see within couples as as when they make a commitment to do these simple shifts? Oh, it's fascinating. It can take just a matter of a few days or a few weeks. And it, it depends, right? It, it's, there's a very large spectrum. I tend to work with people for about six months um, because it is, it, it's not like we can just learn a magic phrase or learn a quick little magic trick, right? And suddenly it's all so much better. There's a lot of little, almost like, yeah, reprogramming that has to happen. And that can take some time. But I have seen like one or two little change make a huge, enormous difference in a marriage in a matter of days or weeks and others, other changes that are just a little bit more progressive, right. That, that kind of happen over time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it is really about commitment and patience, right? We want to not be like, Oh, I tried something for a week and it didn't work. Well, yeah. Like 
Right. We want to retry and keep trying and persist. And with people being in closer quarters, it's changing a little bit with going back to work, but people have really been home in the house together a lot, getting on each other's nerves. So this is a good reminder of that, you know, it's a it's a good example. too. If you see your kids fighting a lot and you realize you're you're at your wits end and your spouse is and you're all overstressed when parents change this, your kids see it. And sometimes that can improve as well. So absolutely true. Yeah, it's really there's a trickle trickle down or a ripple effect, right in, in the family. It's a major, major change that's going to happen when even just the woman, I, I work a lot with just with women and what they do for themselves ripples out in into the marriage and then into uh, the whole family. And yeah, so and I guess one point that I do want to make is that as highly sensitive people at the center of, of this for us is really taking care of our emotional life, like not allowing ourselves or developing skills and tools to guide ourselves out of that space of right. Chronic stress Mm. and overwhelm. And there's a lot there that one can do. There's, there's so much available to support that. And, and before we, you know, and let me, let me ask you that because, we, like you said, we can't just keep this list, although I want to let everyone know they can go to lifeisworthloving.com. They can sign up for your newsletter. You give weekly inspiration for couples and relationships, and you can print out this. You even suggest putting it on your fridge. You know, you can tell your partner you're working on this. I mean, it can be a really out there kind of thing. But it comes back to taking care of ourselves, right? So what do you recommend for people? Because if they're still stressed and they're still at their wits end and maybe they're holding it together at work or in another venue and they come home and they're just nothing left and, and, and that's not how anyone wants to be. So what's the first step in taking care of yourself? Great question. I mean, there's, again, there's so many things. Um, just learning a couple tools to actually like bust the stress, like stress busting tools, like, and for highly sensitive people, but anyone who's overwhelmed, overwhelmed, just literally giving yourself like a half an hour to unwind. And maybe it is a bath or maybe it's like, for me, some of my favorite things are some what's called coherent breathing. Oh, um, some people love meditation for this, but deep breathing, um, there's something called yoga nidra. These are all practices that are like target the nervous system, which is what needs to be targeted when we're overwhelmed so that it comes back into what we call the common connect um, part of our nervous system. And we're going to release stress that way. And we're going to be able to connect mm-hmm. with ourselves and with our family so much better. I do. I actually have a podcast. It's called Highly Sensitive, Happily Married. And in that podcast, I share all sorts of things about all of what we've been talking about. So yeah, I highly recommend it. Uh, highly sensitive, happily married, and there's all different titles on there. So you, I know you do get into it, but that's something to keep in mind. Um, you can print out these seven phrases, and that's a great start. But I know you offer people lots of inspiration, and I think that's encouraging that it can happen really quite quickly if people want to focus on it. Um, women are doing enough, but you're saying it works even if just the woman starts. Maybe he'll just notice things. <laughs> Absolutely, I call it leading love, where it really it just we can influence so deeply, and it starts with us deciding to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to give you a shout out again that um, it's uh, we can find you at Life is Worth Loving and you also have your podcast, um, Highly Sensitive, Happily Married, wherever podcasts are. So if you're on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get it, you can listen to your advice there. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Kara.
Thanks for being on Karis Cures.